and welcome to Don't Die Before You're Dead. I am your host, Mary McCartney, and this is the place where we talk about all things related to living the life we are meant to live. How are you doing? Today, lately, it's been really difficult. Things that we thought we knew all about and were well on our trajectory of living the life we thought we had planned for has totally been turned upside down, at least in many people's world. And of course, what doesn't kill you makes you strong is a, an age-old adage that many of us probably don't want to hear. But in reality, we need to be flexible because life is always going to be throwing us curves. So today I thought I'd like to talk a little bit about midlife crisis. And of course, again, another stereotypical thought comes up about, you know, what is old age crisis and how does it... Um, you know, it project itself. What does it look like? And for many, they think of, you know, a senior man who is not dealing well with aging, might be getting a little pot-bellied, might be getting a little balding and wanting to reach back and reclaim some youth. So he strikes up with a much younger woman and, you know, it might lead to a breakup of family life and, you know, going out and spending a lot of money and buying flashy cars. I mean, that is so stereotypical, but not necessarily the way it is. And yet things happen at middle age. We can't deny that. It's physiological as well as psychological, but it doesn't necessarily project itself like the stereotypical scenario that we have in our minds. Now, many of us are reaching ages of um, proportions that we hadn't seen before. So midlife has changed. It's not necessarily in those early 40s that we thought they had at one point. I'm sure you know many people who are living well past the 80s and getting closer into the 90s. And oh my goodness, I just heard on the radio this past week that Olivia de Havilland died um, at 104, no less. And, you know, people are definitely living longer. So for her, middle age would have been 52, uh, not necessarily in the 40s. And yet, you know, things do change in the 40s. We have been there. I mean, I've been there long time ago. And, uh, you know, our life changes, our bodies start to change. You know, we talked about the, the balding man and, you know, maybe a little bit of a pot belly. And for some of us, well, you know, gravity does have its effect on us. And it seems to be perhaps um, almost enemy number one, our bodies start losing that youthful physique that we had. And our skin isn't as youthful and, and it stretches like it used to. And so we, we do fear getting older and as gravity pulls things down, I, you know, we hear a lot about, you know, the cosmetic surgeons being able to, you know, lift things back up and trying to put some of that youthful look back. And of course, Botox has become such a huge thing. But not only do things happen that are physiological that change us, but also, you know, the psychological, you know, that understanding that, you know, we're, we're reaching that age where perhaps maybe we need to reflect and look back. Now, I was reading about Gail Sheehy, who wrote originally, her book was called Passages. Uh, That was her first book. And of course, then she had written a sequel called New Passages. And, you know, there are people who don't necessarily agree with her, but I did like how she described things. Uh, She was talking about, you know, having the first adulthood and then having a second adulthood. And I kind of like that concept. I kind of like the idea that, you know, as we're getting into that middle age or we're starting to reflect on things with the psychological aspect of, you know, what am I doing? 
Am I living the life I was meant to live? Asking those questions. Do you ask those questions? Are you reflective at all? And it usually takes some time for us to get to that place. And, you know, we hear stories about the empty nest. Is that the only time where we can actually get to the place where we say, okay, I've lived the life I was supposed to live. I got married. I had the kids. They've grown up. They're on their way. Now what? And of course, you know, that's a big question. Have you got to that place? Maybe you're dreading that place. Um, I, for one, did not really feel too uh, wrapped up in the empty nest because I had made some significant changes to revamp my life going back to school at 40. So it was kind of like a natural evolution of going into that so-called second adulthood for me as I was looking for, um, well, actually, I needed to look for better opportunities to raise the family and to see them um, kind of on their own and, and to grow up and to leave and, and feel very good about them having done that. But we do, we get to that place where we're going to look back and say, okay, from, you know, what, maybe we finished our formal education, how old would we have been? Almost, well, of course, we we started graduating out of high school much earlier. So, uh, you know, in our early 20s, we're kind of done our formal education. And we're starting to get established into what the careers might be. And so we spend the next hmm, close to 20 years laying the groundwork, laying the foundation. Did you do that? Did you spend that considerable time kind of getting yourself established, as you'd say, to get to the place where in your career you've basically arrived to where you thought you ought to be? And then you realize, okay, well, that big chunk of my life is over. What am I going to do now? And with the significant changes in our bodies, you know, we can't, we can't stick our head in the sand and think, you know, we're not aging. Uh, wish that we could. I mean, can you deny it? I certainly can't. In fact, I feel, I don't feel my age. I'm going on 70. I don't feel 70. I don't probably act 70. But my body is aging and I can't deny that. Uh, my last physical shows that I've actually shrunk in my stature. I am probably as straight as I ever was in terms of how I walk and hold myself, but I am shorter than I was. So the body does give us those indicators that time is marching on. As much as we might not want it, we might not want to do that. I mean, I laughed today. I was talking with some friends and they were talking about uh, going on a paddleboard. And I'm really looking forward to doing that this summer when I go on holidays. But we're talking about, um, you know, wearing my bikini and getting out on my pad on the paddleboard. And it's like, um, I never really had a bikini body. So I never had bikini days and certainly don't have them now, which is kind of nice because I certainly don't have to miss them. But we can't ignore the fact when we look in the mirror that we're seeing those changes, whether we want to acknowledge them or not. So we're forced to admit that time is marching on. And for women, of course, we have that dreaded menopause. And some of that has been very, very difficult. I've heard all kinds of stories from all kinds of women that it was really very difficult for them. And my guess would be if it was really difficult for them, there probably were some pretty difficult days for their spouse or partner and their families. Uh, the mood swings, the, you know, the temperatures up and down and changes and everything else. I, I can imagine that, you know, it's, it's not something that one goes on 
um, goes through alone, especially if they are living with other people. So I'm kind of belaboring the point here, but we can't ignore that we are aging. So what are we going to do about it? Well, you know, we can't turn back the clock as much as we might like to. In fact, one of my Facebook posts recently said, if you could turn back the clock, how far back would you go? Are there things that you would like to do over? Um, perhaps, I, you know, I mean, many of us would feel that we would take a different route. Maybe we would go to a different school. Maybe we would go to school and finish earlier. Uh, however, some of that, if we go back, I mean, comes with some sense of regrets as well. And, you know, I don't live there. I don't live in the land of regrets. And I'm, a, I'm an old Star Trek fan. And I know from experience with watching that show that if you go back and you change one little thing, the ripple effect is going to get you. So we're best off not to be able to do that. But when we look at, you know, maybe what it is that we might have done differently, then maybe that's what we need to look at going forward. So what can we do? I mean, we can't erase the fact, uh, but we can start thinking about what we can do going forward. And first of all, I could think one of the hardest things might be to accept the fact that we are getting older, that there will be some limitations. And there is also, there will be some perks. Of course, you know, we talk about the emptiness and some people don't see that as a perk, but certainly it lightens the load as far as, you know, responsibilities at home. But there are some perks to getting older. You have privileges that are given to you as an older person that you may not have as younger. People see you as a little bit wiser, perhaps, and uh, maybe you know, they're willing to listen a little bit more readily and don't forget all those senior discounts. And I can remember at one point hearing about a a lady who had said, uh, you know, like fill out this form and let us know your age and we'll be able to determine that you're eligible for a senior discount of 5%. To which she responded, <laughs> you know, I'm not telling you my age for 5%. It'll you know, have to be better than that. But, you know, there are some perks as we do get older. And, um, you know, as we, as we experience them, we should enjoy those and accept the fact that, yes, we're getting older, but so is everyone else around us. It's not just us. I mean, if we were in a bubble by ourselves, wouldn't that be awful? Can you imagine what it would be like if everyone around you was staying the same and we were just the only ones getting older? We were getting wrinkled. We were getting gray hair. We were finding it harder to do the physical things that we used to be able to do that now we need help. No, we are members of a very large club. But look around. Look at what is possible. What are you able to do? Maybe you can't run a marathon, but you can get out and go for a, a good lengthy walk. Uh, call up friends and, and make it uh, a, a gathering together. But ask yourself, what is it? What is it you really want? You know, I mean, we can't. Oh, we guess we could. But one is not going to enjoy life if one keeps harboring on the fact that we can't do this and we can't do that. But if we look at the possibilities and say, what is it that we really want? I've heard it said that what, what do you want is one of the hardest questions that'll ever be asked of us. So can you identify what it is you really want? Okay, you know what? For a long time, when I first turned 60, I didn't want to be 60. I thought, oh, life is passing me by and I'm not going to be able to do all kinds of things. And then I got thinking, there were a whole lot of people that never got the opportunity to be 60, that would have liked to. 
And that really changed my attitude. And I thought, I need to really enjoy what I can do, regardless of some of the things that might be, that I might be limited on. So what about, what about being happy at work? Have you got to the place where you're just going to work and going through the motions? Have you reached the ceiling of where you're at and you're losing some interest? Well, there are other things that you can do that perhaps might be within the workplace. Look for new opportunities. Look for someone that's doing what you want to do. Maybe job shadow them, hang around, find out what it is that they are doing and how they got there. Or perhaps maybe what you could do is enhance the learning outside. Maybe go and attend some classes, learn some other things to do. We talk about our work life. When when is work life over? When do we retire? I mean, we all kind of grew up with the idea of Freedom 55. And that would have been such a wonderful thing to do. And yet, many of us could not. But have you noticed... I know I have. Have you noticed that there are a lot of seniors that are back in the workplace and maybe they are serving coffee and donuts in various places? Maybe they are greeting you at the entrance of a mall or a big chain store. I don't think all of them are there because they need the money. Do you? Have you thought about why some of them are there? Some of them seem pretty agile, and maybe they just want something to do. A lot of people, I've been told, get to the place where they retire and don't know what to do with themselves. Many women have said, oh, I just wish my husband would go back to work. Go find something to do. Because they're bored, they hang around more, and everybody becomes restless. And it's unfortunately a lot of of situations like we're going through with this COVID, we're not used to being underfoot with each other. So when retirement comes, either the man or the woman, if there are no other outside interests, and all of a sudden you're smack dab together all the time, it can lead to some difficult times. So what can you do to learn something new, to get out there and find more purpose. Do you think that we are created to have meaning and purpose in our lives? Do you feel that you have a purpose? Is your life meaningful? Gosh, I hope you say yes to both of those right now, right here. That's amazing. We should all feel that way. But when some people retire, they feel like they've lost their place in the world. They don't know what to do with themselves. So prepare ahead of time is is the best answer to that. What can they do knowing that they won't have work, the, the job, the nine to five, whatever their shift was, that they know they won't have that in the future? How can they make their time more meaningful? Can they go take a class? Is there something uh, of interest, something, maybe photography, maybe nature trail, hiking, uh, genealogy? Some people have jumped right into that genealogy and finding it, you know, infinitely fascinating and taking a lot of their uh, time to research and, and they're just loving it. But what is it that somebody can do to put in a lot of, of effort and satisfaction here? 
Um, I know many people have found that after they retired, they got so busy, they didn't know how they ever had a job. But there's a lot, too, that just don't know what to do with themselves. I'm always volunteer. I've always uh, advocated for volunteering. There are so many organizations that need people to volunteer. And if there's nothing to do, then going and helping someone who needs you can be just so soul satisfying, can be so meaningful and, and so needed. So I would highly recommend that, you know, you could step out and, and take all your years of experience, all your knowledge, all the things that you've done that are so important and share them with somebody because that person would really appreciate it or the organization. But be prepared before you retire. Know that you've got a whole lot of hours to fill that suddenly were occupied by work. Now what are you going to do? That Ask that before you retire so that you're ready. Is there anything that you are particularly good at or something that you thought you might develop into a hobby? And I've heard from people before say, well, I don't think I'm very good at much. I'm not any good at anything. Well, if you're not sure if you're good at anything, go ask your friends, the longtime friends, the ones who have known you year over year over year and have heard your stories, heard you talk about the things that you really enjoy, that you were passionate about. Ask them what they think you're really good at. They would give you some really good insight, I think. And I say, ask your really longtime friends, the ones who know you. Um, you could ask those people that at your workplace and say, you know, the ones maybe who are on the verge of retiring themselves. You know, so what are you going to do when you don't come to work anymore? Do you have plans? Are you are you taking anything on as an other job or as as some interest? A lot of people want to travel. And, you know, I mean, that's an exciting thing to do, but not everybody has the opportunity to do that. So if you're not one of those people, then how are you going to fill your time? One of the things that really needs to be thought about is your relationship with your partner. Because suddenly, like I said, they, you know, they're spending a lot more time together. And what were the things that brought you together in the first place? Might be a long time ago. Do you remember? What was so fascinating? Now, there are <laughs> there are couples who the husband likes to do one thing and the wife likes to do something else. And the two of them don't like to share one another's interests. One likes sports, the other one doesn't. One likes uh, maybe reading and the other one doesn't. So what do you do when you've been maybe not battling, but disagreeing over your interests over the years? And now suddenly, you know, I'm saying you know, find work together, uh, find something to do together. Well, maybe that's the answer. Don't try and convert one another. Don't try and make a, a you know, a fan from someone who wasn't a fan anyway, and originally, but why not look for a new interest together? Go exploring, find something that you both could get behind that something maybe you never thought about before. And so suddenly you're both into it. You're both relatively new at it. So you're learning together. And rather than struggling over who's going to change who, maybe you'll both encourage one another and bring out the best in one another. And suddenly now you have a whole new interest and an opportunity to share with the love of your life. That could be immensely gratifying and very richly rewarding in terms of your personal relationship as well as your 
your growth as a human being to be able to be a lifelong learner and keep on keeping on. And of course, there's going to be lifestyle changes. You won't have the same kind of activity that you used to have. Some people had jobs where they were very physical. They might have been walking a lot, doing you know thousands of steps during the day, and now they're not. Some people might have been doing a lot of stairs, up and down, up and down, up and down, and now they're not. And the tendency might be to become very sedentary. And I would highly suggest not to do that. Don't change those habits because they will keep your body limber. What you don't use, you lose. We've all heard that ad nauseum, no doubt. And it's really important that we use our body. We use our muscles. We do what we can. As I said earlier, if you can't run a marathon, well, maybe you can go for a walk around the block once, twice a day, three times a day, whatever. Do something. Two of the big, big topics with regards to aging and being able to allow yourself the opportunities to do what you want, to get out there and to to explore and live a dynamic, full life has to deal with our bodies. And as I've mentioned, we're already aging but what can we do to minimize the impact on that? Well, we need to use it. We need to keep ourselves limber and to keep active. So do as much as we can. I'm not a fan of exercise. Are you? Are you one of these people who thrives on the going to the gym three times a week or turning on a fitness video and, and you know pumping it out and doing those kinds of things to keep yourself fit. Well, good for you. That is really great. And if you stop doing that, then your body is going to stop being as limber as you've got it right now. I don't like exercise. In fact, today I posted a really cool thing about a woman in a gym and she was doing the, the barbell tricep, bicep curls or whatever you call them. See, I don't even know what they're called. And somebody put on this music and she put the barbells down and started dancing. And she was a really good dancer, a little heavy set woman. She had her, tank, her top on, her shorts and, and all set there in the gym. But man, could she dance. And I admired that so much. And I thought, I could do that. I like music. And I don't have to go to the gym to do that. I can do that right in my own house. The question, of course, is, am I going to do that without somebody here, you know, helping me, encouraging me, partnering with me? But whatever we can do, we can do. So exercise is so important and it demands a, a lot more than what I can offer it. I'm not an expert on exercise by any stretch of the imagination. I just know from all that I've read that if we don't get off the couch, if we don't get out and do things, if we don't use it, and it doesn't have to be extremely vigorous, but something. And the other aspect is nutrition. What are we putting in our bodies? Are we feeding it the best that we can to get the best out of it? It's no different than our cars. If we put great fuel and we take care of additives and we clean out the, um, change the oil and clean out all the gunk and transmission fluids, brake, brake fluids, whatever that gets all gunked up and everything else, our cars are going to run so much better. And it's really interesting. If we put a whole pile of sugar in our bodies, our bodies aren't going to work that well. But if we put a whole pile of sugar in a gas tank, I've heard that that doesn't work either. So those two topics are extremely big. So our physiological 
approach to aging is really, really important. And so is our psychological. And in our psychological, can we prepare? Are we preparing for it? Are we accepting that we're going to get older? The thing is, I feel great. I've already said I'm going on 70. I'm going on this tour next year. I'm all excited about all kinds of things. I went swimming with my grandson who was four. Yesterday, I went, in fact, I went twice and I can still hold my own really well in a pool. But can I in five years? Can I in 10 years? Can I in 15? Who knows? But if I even just get in the pool and I can move my arms and legs and float, that's something. And as long as I'm doing something, then I'm going to be aging better. So how about you? Are you going to settle for the midlife crisis or are you going to have the mindset of saying, I'm going to have a midlife transformation? I'm going to look at my midlife and say, wow, look at what's going on. What can I do differently? What can I look forward to? How can I prepare for my future so it's the best I can make it? Now, if you're like me, well past that, then start anyway. It does not matter. Start where you're at. Start this minute. Start right now. If you're in your 30s, good for you. Start thinking about that. You know that gravity is going to get you at some point and you're going to start feeling that sign of aging. Know what's coming. What we know we can prepare for. And challenge yourself. Say, where am I going? What am I going to do? How am I going to live the life I meant to live? So I don't want to lecture you. I would like to encourage you and say, wow, how can we all live a better life together? Are you in? Are you game? Are you thinking about it? COVID right now has challenged all of us to think about our lives very differently than we ever imagined. But we need to think about where we're going and how we're going to get there. So give that some thought. Let me know if you have any other things you'd like to offer. Call in, write in, go on my Facebook. Don't die before you're dead Facebook page. Make a comment. Let me know. Because I would like to bring on experts that are going to help us to live better. So again, I'm Mary McCartney. And this has been Don't Die Before You're Dead. Till next time. Dare to live the life you were meant to live. Till next time.